0: Initiate
1: Orphans Trailer.
0: Welcome to The Orphans.
2: It's Baz Gilroy.
3: Baz Gilroy. Gilroy. Baz Gilroy. Hello.
0: I am Geometrically Fabricated and Functional Reasoning Unit, but you can call me. Jeffrey, do you know what they're going to do to me?
3: That's what I am to them out there, just a spill on the floor that needs wiping up, aren't I? I will
0: not stay here and witness your stupidity.
3: You do nothing but pretend. You don't care about me. Get up.
2: He's going to find us if we don't move. The Orphans. The Orphans. The Orphans. The Orphans. Facility. Out now.
4: The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with generous support of listeners like you. For more Nerdy Show podcasts, community forums, and to learn how you can support this and other fine Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, from the borough of Queens in the city of New York, this is the Epic Piecast with your hosts, Nelson Lugo and Schaefer the Dark Lord.
4: loyal listeners welcome back once again to a piping hot fresh episode number 62 of the epic podcast recorded in the beautiful and spacious studio 6c in astoria queens i am your host as always nelson lugo
2: i am your other host schaefer the dark lord
4: and we're back for another heap and helping of shenanigans how are
2: you shapes i am okay (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's
4: actually that's actually wonderful to hear Because usually I'm on the receiving end of you Talking about how fucking miserable and depressed you are
2: Well, we can only record the same intro so many <laughs> times in a row
4: Fair enough Fair enough How you been? How's the past... Again, well, I was going to say 30 days But that's not true Because we actually had... This will be a month where we put two episodes out We did, yeah um, Last episode was Lex, the Lexicon Artist uh, If you... Missed that one, you might want to go back to episode 61. But here we are, episode number 62.
2: You know, I, uh, I've i been good. I've been uh, busy with lots of uh, video projects this month. Oh, really? Yeah. So not not so much with the rapidy Raps, but with
4: the editing software.
2: Well, with a little bit of rapidy Raps. You know, uh-huh. while, while Lex, the Lexicon Artist was in town, uh-huh. um, a couple of days after we recorded the podcast, we shot a music video. We have a song... Coming out on um, our producer friend Vince Vandal's record. Uh-huh. Vince Vandal, uh, this is his second record where he produces a bunch of beats and then he enlists rappers to appear on the songs. Okay. And we have a song together on his second album, uh, Friends and Fandoms, volume number two. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Um, we have a song together on that. And so that while she was in town, she did the podcast. She did a bunch of podcasts. Uh, we did a show together for HushCon. Sure. And we shot uh, footage for a music video. And Vince Vandal came up from Baltimore so he could actually run the camera. So the three of us actually <laughs> made this project. And now now Lex is back in, in the Bay Area. Sure. Uh, just slaving away editing this footage.
4: Oh, okay. Oh, she's actually putting the,
2: putting oh, yeah. the video. together. yeah. Oh, awesome. Uh, yeah. Um, I can't wait to see that. I did that. Uh, I... This past month, I tore apart my bedroom. Um, <laughs> That's right. I put up a, uh, for the dumbest reason ever. For the ever. dumbest reason, right? I, I hung up a green screen on one wall of my bedroom and oh I got a bunch of lights. And Your, your porn project is really getting over budget I, and kind of out of control. I wish it were porn. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> but it's not porn. I'm uh, producing a series of wrestling style promo videos to promote an upcoming wrestling-themed burlesque show called Rabbit Hole Productions' Tasselmania 2. That's right. Tasselmania 1 was actually in Philly, right? No, it was at Coney Island. Okay. Last summer. Wait, did but didn't they do a Tasselmania somewhere else? Oh, in Philly, we also went down there and we did uh, the Gorgeous Ladies of Burlesque, or Globe, and that took place <laughs> at an actual wrestling
4: uh, right, show. right. That that wasn't uh, Bunny Buxom's Rabbit Hole Productions. That was something else.
2: No, that was Liberty Rose and Kate Nix. Um, got it, got it. Uh, Broad Street Burlesques Got thing. it. In in conjunction with Chikara Wrestling at the Wrestle Factory. Sure, sure. Uh, this is um, it's another one of of Bunny's Rabbit Hole Productions Tasselmania shows. A competitive burlesque show it takes place in a ring, and their promos and and big characters and there's a belt. And I basically (laughs) spent the last two months just creating media for that, making videos for it and designing logos and posters and a belt. I designed a belt. belt, Wow. Having a photo shoot. Okay. Uh, But so yeah, I've uh, this month I've mostly been inviting burlesque wrestlers over to shoot promos in front of my green screen. And uh, as a result, I've not been uh, spending as much time uh, consuming media or working on my rap record. Sorry, Vince.
4: (laughs) (laughs) What a shitty way to let Vince know you've been slacking on the fucking project.
2: Well, he knows. Look, one of the things... (laughs) If you're listening, Vince, he's not sorry. Look, in my defense... Sure. And to his detriment... (laughs) Okay. One of the songs, one of the the more recent songs that's being produced for this record that we're working on, which is coming out in fall. uh, He made a beat... From a sample of music from a video game. Oh. And then he said to me, hey, I made this sample, or I made this beat from a sample of a video game. Have you played this game? I said, no, but I know where this is going. Ah. You're going to ask me to write a song about a video game. I'm not going to do it, because that's too nerdcore. Sure, sure, sure. And also, I don't have time to play a video game. making these dumbass wrestling promos. And he says, well, you could just, listen, he goes, you could just read up on the wikis learn some details about it and I'm like what I can't do that fake nerd I gotta have some integrity fake nerd I have to have enough integrity to not do the thing <laughs> to just not do it as opposed to fake doing it and pandering so right. uh, and I'm, I'm like I'm not gonna do it unless this beat that you've made is, is is just made of fire
4: right well what's what's the video game I'm not gonna tell you why not
2: but I'm gonna tell you that the beat was made of fire
1: what
2: and now when I'm in between <laughs> shooting these videos I'm trying to <laughs> trying to Pump out, chug through a 30 hour video game that I wouldn't have played otherwise just so I can write what a rap game? song about it, uh, with integrity. What's the video game? I'll tell you off mic. I don't want to s- spoil it for oh,
4: okay, fair, that's fair. For the fans. That's fair, that's fair.
2: It's good. I mean, I'm having fun playing it, but I wouldn't have played it otherwise. And every time I sit down, I kind of grumble to myself, God damn it, Vince. <laughs> if your beat weren't so good, I wouldn't be playing this goddamn game now, but it's worth it. Oh, good because the beat's really good. Good. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. Other than, I don't really do anything other than that, you know? I go to a day job, I, <laughs> I edit videos, I get together with you every few weeks, we sure. record a podcast. Yeah. But um, that's that's what I do with my time now. Awesome. Yeah, and it just gets warmer.
4: Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of over the summer.
2: It's only been summer for a couple of days. I know, I'm done. Wow. I'm done with it. I, I think work. you said something earlier that you, the heat didn't bother you.
4: Well, it, the heat doesn't bother me up to a point. It hasn't even gotten to a point yet. No, I know. Like It's barely broken
2: 90. I'm good
4: now. Like, if it got any hotter, I'd be miserable. Okay. Yeah.
2: Well, then buckle up, <laughs> buddy, because <laughs> terror is just around the corner for you.
4: Fair enough. What
2: about you, um, Nelson Middle Initial Lugo? <laughs> wow. Okay. I'm not trying to out your full name online. Thank you. Only... Total monsters out people's full legal names. I'm not a monster. <laughs> Don't you suck? I'm not going
4: to take the bait because
2: good because uh, you
4: legally can. I legally can. Um, I've been really, really busy. Uh, a lot of a lot of stuff has been happening um, on the solo show front, and uh, um, I went through another round of rewrites, and it's uh, uh, shaping up to be uh, uh, better. Script A more solid story Um, I uh, I don't really know how to Like I I didn't invent a new trick But I I designed it Like I don't know what the right What the right terminology is Like I I I didn't even I Created a new trick Mm -hmm. To go in the show Mm -hmm. It's not a new premise In the magic world
2: But I think it's an original idea did you just take an established trick yeah. and give it a fresh new spin that it has not been done before? Yes. Then that's how you would say it.
4: Okay, yeah, that's what I did. Cool. That's what Good I
2: job. Yeah. And it's going in the show? It's going in the show. Hell yeah.
4: Yeah, it's, I think. What I th- trick is it replacing? Uh. Well, nobody, nobody that he listens to this is going to understand
2: any of this conversation. Oh, uh. well then let's save that. <laughs> you don't need to know that it was replacing anything i look, to be fair i yeah. saw yeah. a staged see it. reading of you it, did see so it. yeah you don't have to tell me what it's replacing but uh, yeah that's cool to know that you developed a new trick and that it's you're further developing your new show yeah. as a result
4: well and and also i've uh um i've started emailing uh producers and uh potential directors and venue owners letting them know that there's going to be um, for five performances coming up in, you know, the coming months and inviting them out and inviting them to give me feedback with the sort of agenda of them hopefully picking it up and running with it. Ultimately. Excellent. Yeah. Are they biting? Yeah, I've actually, I've gotten some interest. I've gotten some interest from, from, from some producers that I was certain I would never hear from. And so this this uh, new theater Genre of magicians doing sort of slice of life storytelling this burgeoning art form apparently is now a full fledged art form mm-hmm. because there's a there's a there's a show that's been off Broadway for i guess over two years now called in of itself and it 's gotten nothing but absolute critical praise from literally anybody who watches it and and I saw it and it deserves every ounce of kudos it's got. There'll be a link in the show notes. Um it's closing in August. Um so if you are in New York or are going to be in New York, watch it. It's you will not regret it. It's an amazing amazing show. Um but his wasn't necessarily the first. It's only the latest. Mm-hmm. But and now it's become its own sort of theater genre and so people are kind of getting hip to this and I'm pitching this my show as this sort of new entry into this burgeoning Theater form and people are starting to take notice. Cool. And I'm pretty excited about it.
2: It sounds like you may be poised to really make a big splash in a subgenre. <laughs> of in, entertainment. A,
4: in a niche. <laughs> to a Subgenre niche. of uh, entertainment. Yes. Wow. What's that like? Ha <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, uh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, uh, I mean, other than that, just, you know, regular sort of stuff. Um, uh, 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 I started reading comic books again. Really? Yeah. Um, And I, I don't want to go through all of the usual suspects. All the usual suspects are still good, and I'm still reading them. But there's one that I actually want to talk about. Um, it's an eight-issue miniseries published by DC Comics called Batman White
2: Knight. Batman White Knight. Yes. Uh, eight issues. And it's really good. Is it just about him uh, using buzzwords to virtue signal in Facebook posts. <laughs> no. Because it sounds like you could probably do that in a single issue and really tell Yeah, you could
4: probably do that in like a okay. preview in the back of the cover.
2: I hate myself for even using the phrase virtue signal. <laughs> that's what it's. That's what it sounds like when you speak like your enemies when you go undercover. Yes. And you, where have you, to go, learn, yes. you have to learn their lingo. Yes, you do. Oh, God. I just want to die now. Netflix. Tell me about Batman White Knight.
4: It's It basically takes the premise, And I mean, this has been done before, but I don't think it's done... It's been done quite this way before. Where it, it kind of flips the script and sort of asks the question, what would happen if the Joker became the good guy? Mm-hmm. And Batman became the bad guy. And it does it... I mean, it's very comic book. It's very hashtag comic book, right? So it's it's it still leans really, really hard into the sort of cape and cowl tropes. But it's it's a story that sort of examines given given our current political climate like you know the 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 realities or the the inherent problems of having a vigilante that is summarily both um ignored and um utilized by the police force mm-hmm. and it's really good hmm. it's I it's genuinely good i really liked it i mean it's 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 not written in the current sort of Batman continuity. It's sort of its own. I would even call this like an Elseworlds, actually. Um, it's sort of taken outside of the context of the current continuity and asks, "What if?"
2: Well, that's uh, great. Those are have always been my favorite Batman. Stories, yeah, the ones that step outside of the continuity. And yeah. I am so far removed from monthly Batman titles at this point. I don't know what the current continuity is, or do they? <laughs> <laughs> it was just rebooting a continuity like every six months there for a while. It was exhausting. <laughs> um I, I don't want to get too deep into it, but uh the, the, the current the
4: current storyline where um Batman Bruce Wayne is marrying Catwoman Selina Kyle is really really good oh um and that's all i'm really gonna say about it because i can i can talk for hours about it but i really have to give a special but
2: but still historic give your special whatever well i'm
4: just i just want to give a very special shout out to batman white knight and i think it's i will read
2: i when they they collect that in a trade i'll read it yeah um i guess i could read it electronically but you could but we'll see about that (laughs) i but historically (laughs) my favorite batman stories have been the ones that have been written outside you know yeah you've you've always said killing joke and yeah whatnot
4: um, I uh, uh, I really, really liked it, and and it was nice to sort of pick up comic books again because I hadn't read anything for about six months, and uh, but meanwhile, my my comicsology thing is still buying comic books, and so I have a digital, st- I had a digital stack of like 150 at one point, and wow. so and- I still
2: have your login. <laughs> I could go into your comicsology account, and it would just be like just- being in a comic book store. Yeah, basically. And I uh, wouldn't know where to start. There'd be too much stuff. There, There is, yeah. Why am I going to wait for a trade? I have your login. That's, I can go in and read Beltman White Knight tonight. I bought
4: you a fucking Amazon
2: fucking e-reader for that specific purpose. I, was, I used the shit out of that for a long time. I know you did. I know you did. But I just, I haven't been reading as much because let's say depression I don't know <laughs> I'm just too busy
4: no it's just it's really good it's sort of it, it, it examines this whole idea of of um, social justice warriors versus you know uh, conservative uh, uh, pundits and and you know and where villains can can be redeemed, and that not everyone's a bad guy, not like no one is a hundred percent of anything, a hundred percent of the time. Yeah, right. And it's you know it's a bit more nuanced than that. Now that's
2: pretty. That's a pretty subversive theme for a superhero comic. Book. Exactly.
4: Yeah. And and I, I'm now I'm not going to sit here and say that it has anything profound or intelligent to say about all of that. But I will say that it still leans in very heavy because it's still a fucking comic book. So it still leans into that. But I think it's I think it's a very unique take on the Cape and Cow genre. Alright. Yeah. So that's Lugo's pick of the week.
2: Ba dun bum ba <laughs> Great. Yeah, it's good. I don't have a a pick of anything to What? My pick of the week is the best thing that happened in New York City. What's that? My subway station reopened. <laughs> that's why it's been closed for months and months and months. my subway stop was closed in october so for all winter i had to walk to a more distant subway stop and it just reopened on friday uh
4: i know i just got off that that subway stop when i got isn't it glorious
2: beautiful they made it so fancy it's beautiful and it smells like fresh construction yeah which by the way is one of my favorite smells I'm being serious. Are you too. absolutely being serious? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like a freshly rent, like remodeled apartment that when you're about to move in uh-huh. or say you've just moved in and you've painted everything and yeah, built yeah. some furniture or something. Sure. But that smell of like freshly cut wood and, and paint and, and you're laughing at me. I'm being, <laughs> I, I am love, laughing at you. I yes. love that smell. I love that smell. And also I never thought I would say I loved the smell of a New York city subway station, but that's, that's also a first, yeah.
4: a first for you, isn't it?
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, it usually, (laughs) I I don't know. It usually smells bad.
4: (laughs) And that's New York. It
2: usually smells like the event that precedes an apocalypse. Like it starts there. That's what they smell like. If you're at, I don't know, West 4th Street.
4: Oh dear. Okay.
2: Uh, but no, it's a lovely subway station and I, none of our listeners are going to care about it. None of them. But
4: literally zero. But (laughs) But that's okay. That was it. Was all it was a eighteen moment listeners are wrapped,
2: wrapped. I wasn't aware that it was going to reopen, and when my train pulled into the station on Friday and the doors opened and the the, the conductor announced 30th Avenue, I thought for just a second that I was dead,
4: <laughs> and that this was some final vision. And then
2: I walked out into a place I didn't recognize, and I maybe I like travel through time. <laughs> Maybe I got to see like some one final vision of the future before I crossed over oh, shit. into the other world. I didn't know. Um, okay. but that's where I am. A subway station opens and I question whether or not I'm alive. Wow. So, okay. Have fun. through your comic books.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm going through some shit, man.
4: Um, yeah, I think
2: that's it. Um, Uh, I'm really excited about our guest. I am really excited about our guest, too. Uh, Lugo booked a tremendous guest this month.
4: Yeah, this is a a woman whom um, I met while doing a... Oddly enough, I did a a storytelling show called Relationship. Mm
0: -hmm.
4: And it's a show... It's a storytelling show that's themed around relationships and all of their sort of wonderful and horrible complications, right? Mm -hmm. And um, there's usually four storytellers um but the last storyteller is basically tells a story about a relationship or a problem that they're having in a relationship and there the, the 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 hook of the show is that the last storyteller it talks about a particular problem and then there is a panel of four people that essentially psychoanalyze you <laughs> your problem and try to get to the crux of the matter and maybe offer, like, a solution or something.
2: That sounds like a wonderful show as an audience member and a terrible show to participate in.
4: It's You know what? It's both.
2: It's hard to watch sometimes. Yeah, I like that. And,
4: but it's also, it's like a train wreck. You can't look away. Yeah, I love that. Um, and uh, uh, I've done it. I think I've done it. No, I've, I've, I've done the show twice, but I've only been the analyzer, the analyze, analyzee once mm-hmm. and she was on the panel uh, uh, this this our next guest was on the panel mm-hmm. and uh, she had some really wonderfully uh, deep and um, profound and um, very erudite things to say about that it.
2: surprises me not at all
4: no she's fantastic she's probably one of the smartest people I've ever met and I'm very glad to call her an internet friend and maybe after this, an actual friend
2: Oh <laughs> well then what do you say we uh, we just get to the interview section of the show yeah let's do this. Uh, can I say th- I want to say three things though sure go ahead before we before we go to that break. yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing that I should just I feel I am contractually obligated to mention uh-huh. um, this week uh, rapper MC Lars released uh, an EP called Notes from Toontown it's a seven track album that is just a tribute to Who Framed Roger Rabbit. That's Lars's all time favorite movie. That's
4: kinda of genius. That was
2: released on the thirtieth anniversary of the release of the film. It's been thirty years. Yep. Sweet June nineteen eighty eight. God damn it. Um, it features uh, cameos from uh, Beefy and uh, Mega Ran, mm-hmm. and me. Oh, I didn't know you were on it. Yeah, there's six tracks. There's a seventh track if you get the if you buy it on Bandcamp, and uh-huh. that seventh track is a track that is the length of Roger Rabbit. That's just MC Lars doing commentary. So oh, you can watch Roger my Rabbit! My effing gods! With MC Lars, very joyful, talking to you about how much he loves the movie. I have not sat it's down a and great done that. Movie. I it's want a great to do that. Movie. One of these nights, I am going to set aside an uh-huh. hour and a half and uh-huh. I'm going to watch the movie with his commentary. Dude,
4: invite me over. I'll bring popcorn.
2: Great. Okay, so that's one of the three yes. things I wanted to say. Yes. Number two, uh, shout out to C. Muldrow.
4: <laughs> I can't believe we're still doing that bit. I, I don't even think she listens to the show anymore. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter
2: maybe one See day. Well,
4: if you still listen to the show, drop us an email at epic at epicpodcast@gmail.com. That's, That's epicpodcast@gmail.com. Epic gmail.com.
2: <laughs> and the third thing I wanted to say. Yeah. Folks, we're going to take a quick break and we will be back in just a moment.
1: Marvin Ackney, didn't kill him, didn't kill him, even though I wanted to. Wanted to, Marvin Ackney, didn't kill him, didn't kill him, even though I wanted to. Wanted to, Marvin Ackney, didn't kill him, didn't kill him, even though I wanted to. Wanted to, Marvin Ackney, didn't kill him, didn't kill him, even though I wanted to. Wanted to, Playing patty cake with my wife backstage, wanna slash his chubby throat with a knife, hey, the Gag King's got a gag in his mouth now, disappearing quick like the ink on a blouse, wow. Mickey Mouse might play that, but Roger's gunning quick with a heater. I'ma spray that. Dum Dumbs come from Yosemite's gum. Marvin Acme, I'ma actually have a little bit of fun. Um, what's that? You got shipments coming through the back. On the track like a train chopping Wolfie with an axe. It's a silly symphony. Hear you screaming in your sleep. He us Marvin Acme rotting, bloating six feet deep. Uh. Hmm. And even though I'm innocent, I dream of retribution nightly In my dreams, cause ever since I heard my girl was running around the town with the king I'm going for his crown, best respect his wedding ring Marvin Acme, didn't kill him, didn't kill him, even though I wanted to Wanted to, Marvin Acme, didn't kill him, didn't kill him, even though I wanted to Wanted to, Marvin Acme, didn't kill him, didn't kill him, even though I wanted to wanted to. Marvin Acne. Didn't kill him, didn't kill him, even though I wanted to. Wanted to. Who's true, boo? You knew all along. It was R.K. Maroon. Set it up. You were a pawn. They bribed the detective the snoop in the alley. to saw him creeping, gave the boot to Eddie Valiant. And now I'm crying in the office. I don't understand. This is not what Disney promised. Plot, twist, intrigue, murder, greed, and sex. Marvin on the line making calls and cashing and checks. But look, if I had done it, I would not have used a safe word. I would have tied him to a tree up in Hayward. I would have covered him in honey like in heavyweights. I would get a pack of grizzly bears like maybe eight. I could have starved them in the woods with Marvin. Grizzly men, the people with the can teeth, they're carving. I heard my girl was running around the town with the king. That's why I'm going for his crown. Best respect this wedding ring. Marvin, act me. Didn't kill him, didn't kill him, even though I wanted to. Wanted to, Marvin ac me, didn't kill him, didn't kill him, even though I wanted to. Wanted to, Marvin ac me, didn't kill him, didn't kill him, even though I wanted to. Wanted to, Marvin me. didn't kill him, didn't
2: kill him, even though I wanted to wanted to. Eponymous company man meets grim reaper, rabbit wanted in murder of Toontown Keeper. And who am I? I'm the one who knows most. Marvin Acme. And you look like you've seen a ghost. As the CEO of Acme Inc, I sold the tools of the trade only coyotes would think to use. Singing swords, portable holes, and others, put her there, pal. And buzzer. (laughs) Seriously, this murder conspiracy biz is nasty, the whole thing was a setup, kid, and you're the patsy. Blackmail for photos to frame you with motive, but Jessica did it to keep you in showbiz. She only loves you, she always will, buddy. You'll both inherit the town. Check the will, dummy. Your girl was never running round with the king. Please don't kill me, I never
1: disrespected the ring. Marvin acne, didn't kill him, didn't kill him, even though I wanted to. Wanted to, Marvin me. Didn't kill him, didn't kill him, even though I wanted to. Wanted to, Marvin me. Didn't kill him, didn't kill him, even though I wanted to. Wanted to, Marvin me. Didn't kill him, didn't kill him, even though I wanted to. Wanted to. Patty cake, patty cake, baker's man. Bake me a cake as fast as you can. Patty cake, patty cake, baker's man. Catch me a body as fast as you can. Hey, Hey, patty cake, patty cake, cake, baker's man. Bake me a cake as fast as you can. (laughs) Patty cake, patty cake, baker's man. Catch me a body as fast as you can.
2: Did you know that the Epic Podcast is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network? And did you know that the Nerdy Show Podcast Network is home to dozens of other programs that are also surely relevant to your nerdy interests? Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Swing by nerdyshow.com and see what treasures await you. If you like what you hear, please rate and review us on iTunes, like and follow us on SoundCloud and Audio Boom, or subscribe and stream on Google Play. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the Nerdy Show Network alive by telling a friend or funding the network via Patreon. At Patreon.com/nerdyshow, you can fund the entire Nerdy Show Network and unlock a plethora of amazing bonus content and early releases. For more podcasts, articles, community forums, and more, visit nerdyshow.com. And be sure to follow Nerdy Show and the Epic Podcast on all of your favorite social networks. If it's geeky, we've got it covered. Folks, our guest on the program this month is an author and the former editor of Fleshbot. Her book, Faking It The Lies Women Tell About Sex and the Truths They Reveal, will be released in November. Please welcome to the program, Lux Alptron. Hooray! Hi.
4: Hi. Welcome to Studio 6C, Lux.
3: Thank you for having mm. me. It's always a pleasure.
4: All right, so where should we begin?
3: <laughs> <laughs> and that's how we get it started
2: here at the Epic Podcast.
3: <laughs> We're not
4: professional interviewers. Yeah. <laughs> Are so, you a professional anything?
2: Um, <laughs> Luxy, your book is is slated for release in a few months, but I would assume that you have been uh, working on and collecting research for quite some time
3: now. Yeah, so it's actually um, a funny story about timing. Uh, I got this idea for the... Well, okay, so I guess the very earliest genesis of my idea for this book was in like twenty fifth January twenty fifteen ish because there was a study that came out that was just like female ejaculation is not real. And it was like we studied seven women and it's just <laughs> pee. It's coming out of the bladder, it's just pee. And I wrote like an irate um I wrote an irate Op-ed about this where I was like, why, why are we constantly like just shitting on women, telling women like the things you think are real are not real? Why, why are we diminishing women's pleasure? Like, even if it is pee, if women are enjoying it, like why? Yeah. So that was kind of like the first seed. I will say my book doesn't actually talk that much about female ejaculation because I kept being told it was not relatable enough and that I should not do an entire chapter on it. But, you know. Um,
2: <laughs> Wait, was this just your your peers, your editor?
3: Yeah, just in the, in the process. In the process. Well, we um, have material for a sequel. Yeah, you know, but this was actually like the earliest genesis was I had this idea in my head where I was like with this topic specifically, I was like women are constantly being told we're liars and not trustworthy. And so then like a year later, I was still really thinking about it. And I pitched a piece to what was then called Fusion, but is now Splinter News about just interrogating this question. of like, why do we think women are liars? Because I was realizing, as I thought more about the topic, I was like, oh, you have virginity tests. Oh, you have, like, these talk shows where there are paternity tests as the, like, central feature of of the whole thing. And, like, all of this stuff is, like, based on this idea that women are untrustworthy. Um, So this is still spring 2016. And I pitched this essay about, like, why, why are we obsessed with this idea of women are lying about sex? And when I started it, I thought what I was going to find was, like, oh, it's the patriarchy, like, telling us not to trust women. Women are just, like, getting a bad deal. And, like, we're totally telling the truth. And what I realized in talking to people was it was more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that oftentimes women are lying and... It's for really good reasons and that because women have these strategic reasons to lie, it sort of muddies the waters in terms of like what is being uh, what is being trustworthy, what is being honest, like what does honesty mean? Uh, And so as I was working on that essay, I was like, oh, there's a book in here. And I spent five months working on the proposal book. Writing a book takes a very long time. I don't know if anyone has told you.
4: (laughs) Um, I've I've heard anecdotally that. Yeah, it takes, it takes a minute.
3: I I spent five months just on the proposal. And in working on the proposal, uh, I mean, a part of that was just getting really good feedback to get it to where I wanted it to be. Um, But in working on the proposal, I kind of narrowed it to specifically looking at instances where women lie about sex and why. um, And developing just an understanding of why women lie, but then also using that to to illustrate that women are not likely to lie about sexual assault because that doesn't fit the model of all the reasons why women lie. Um, So when I said there's good timing, I told you I started working on this in spring of 2016 we got ready to shop the proposal we were like okay towards the end of october we're like it's ready to shop but everybody's so obsessed with the election right now we're gonna wait until after the election to start sending it around oh. assuming oh, okay. that hillary clinton i see where this is going yeah so <laughs> then and this is actually in my intro i discussed this that you know i woke up on november 9th and i was like oh fuck <laughs> that went differently than I expected, and suddenly my book was vastly more urgent. Like it had originally been this sort of like evergreen, like what an interesting thought experiment to look at. Like let's deep, more deeply understand sure. how all this stuff functions. And then I was like, oh cool, we just had a ah, uh, we just had a presidential campaign where a woman was repeatedly called a liar, even though she was demonstra- demonstrably more trustworthy than her opponent. Uh, and she lost, and a lot of people still think she is the liar. Um, so that, yeah, put my book into a little bit of a different... Made it more urgent, I should sure, say. Sure. It was still the same thing. Um, and so right. then, you know, I sold my book. I spent all of 2017 writing it. And then the well, other... The world crumbles around. Right! <laughs> so then the other funny thing that happened in terms of timing was... I was writing, like, a chapter a month. I'm very, very good uh, at keeping to a schedule. Um, And so I finished the bulk of my book, like everything but the conclusion, mid-September. And I was slated to be like, okay, I'm going to start writing the conclusion in October funny thing happens uh at the beginning of october a guy you may have heard of called harvey weinstein gets outed as a sexual predator <laughs> on, a, um, on a
2: tremendous scale too yes just, just with numbers to rival the celebrity scan uh, uh um, sexual predators who had been outed prior to him
3: yeah so all of a sudden i am writing the conclusion to this book in the midst of me too and it actually it changed the conclusion a little bit um In as much as it gave me a hopeful note to end on, because suddenly I was like, oh, look, like this is a world where we believe women like this is what it would look like. Um, But yeah, then suddenly it was it was just sort of fascinating because my book is coming out a year and a month after Me Too, basically. Mm -hmm. And it's just really good timing on my part.
0: I was just <laughs> like, you know, anybody who was like,
3: yeah. I'm going to pitch a Me Too book, like, sucks to them. <laughs> My book was done. Is
2: there, is there a part of you now that, that, now that you have a scheduled release date for mm. it, that is nervous that that's going to continue happening that as we get closer and closer to the date it's going to be like al roker or i mean <laughs> for I the don't... for the record i don't have any information about al roker i, mean, I just bo- <laughs> want to know if like that that more of these stories are going to
3: my book is not a definitive list of people who are sexual harassers uh, so i don't think that that would harm it i mean it might suck if i mean most of the people that i interviewed are women Uh, who are less likely to be, not not to say that they cannot, but are certainly less likely to be outed as sexual predators, Uh, it would be a little bit of a bummer if some of the men that I featured got outed, but there aren't that many of them, and, like, one of them is Dan Savage, so I feel like it's not gonna be as likely, like... You know, and then one of the dudes, uh, there's a pickup artist who, sure, he can get outed because I I am aggressively disagreeing with a lot of what he says in the book anyway, so. Um, But yeah, I mean, there is this sort of like, what if something, what if something happens? What if something happens? But I don't think there's anything that's going to happen that's going to dramatically change what my book is about. I mean, unless we magically step into a society where women no longer have to lie for our self-defense in the next four months, I think I'm good.
2: Now, when you talk about uh, women um, lying for yourself for their self defense, mm-hmm. now, and, and I know that you've said that this book is not, it is not, its main focus is not about me too and about, yeah. about women lying about the uh, assaults that they've they've experienced. Right. Uh, it, but it, it's obviously an important element to to color yeah. the the material of the book. I think when and when men read the title, they will probably think like, "Oh, this is this is going to be a book about women who." say that I'm great at this when I'm really when they they're lying and saying that I'm not but but when you just that that phrase right now that you just said women lying about their defense do you mean in uh or lying to defend themselves do you mean this in in ways of um when say uh, a woman is is approached by someone she's not interested in yeah. and will say like oh I'm sorry I have a boyfriend even though that's shouldn't really be it shouldn't be the the, uh, the be-all, end-all defense.
3: So, actually, both things that you've mentioned are in the book. The okay. first chapter, and one of the reasons why... I knew what the title was going to be like the whole time. I was very, very into the title, Faking It. Um, the first chapter is actually about fake orgasm. Mm-hmm. So, it does start with these kind of seemingly more minor lies, or, or lies that you could argue are more minor... Um, and then, yeah, another chapter is called I Have a Boyfriend. Um, another chapter is about is called I'm on the Pill um, and looks at both women who lie about being on birth control and also women who lie about not being on birth control and looks at the role that birth control plays in abusive relationships uh, and how there's this idea of, like, oh, women are sabotaging birth control to get pregnant when actually what is more likely in many cases is men sabotaging uh, birth control to get their partners pregnant Um, and men using this sabotage of birth control to exact control over women and I mean a lot of what the book is about is about women wanting bodily autonomy and women using the strategies that are available to them, which aren't necessarily honesty to get bodily autonomy. But it's... I mean, one of the things is is it's, it's a rigged game. So it's like... like one of the best examples is something like virginity. Uh, the hymen is not real. <laughs> I mean, there is... Some people have some scrap of flesh that looks and acts the way we envision the hymen, but...
2: The way it's been spun in mythology. But
3: generally speaking, you know, it's just like leftover flesh from when the vaginal canal is carved out as a fetus. Like, that's what the hymen is. And some people, it's barely there, and it disappears just kind of on its own. Some people... Uh, It's really rigid and thick and can be there after you've even had sex for the first time, defining that as penetrative sex. Um, But, you know, we have this cultural idea that there is a hymen. It is very real. It tells you if a woman has had sex or not and that you can you can look. And tell, and so you know it doesn't come up as much in the U.S., but certainly in countries like Egypt, sure. uh, where there's a more aggressive enforcement of purity. There's this question that you know, if you haven't had sex, but and you haven't had sex in any way, so you are a virgin, you are pure as being defined by this, um, but you don't have a hymen for whatever reason. And you go and get a, hymeno, a hymenoplasty, which is like surgical reconstruction of a uh, creation of this hymen, because you know that you are going to be subjected to this test. Like, are you lying? Are you cheating because you're proving something that is, in fact, true? Um, and, and so I think it's, it's complicated because, you know, we talk about lying. And, of course, like, lying is bad, lying is bad. But, like, if lying is how you get by in a game that's testing for something that's not it's testing for a truth through standards that aren't actually based in reality, then like, what, what are we saying here? And like, what, w- not like, what does anything mean? But, you know, I mean, sure. I think, I think it's not as black and white as people want to make it. And I mean, you know, orgasm for me, like, I think the really simplistic read about fake orgasm is like, Oh, women want to make their presumably male partners feel good. And, They are just, like, doing this and then they're cheating themselves out of pleasure to spare a man's ego and it's bad. And I'm not necessarily saying that I think it's a great idea to fake orgasm. But, you know, if you're a person who doesn't care about orgasm and is having sex for other reasons, which is entirely possible, but you're with someone who insists that your orgasm is a necessary part of the experience... And you've gotten everything that you want out of the experience, but there's still like, but you have to come. You have to.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role.
3: Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Come, like, I mean, is it, is it a problem if you then, like, end the experience by faking orgasm? Because you've gotten what you want. Uh, And you are now sparing yourself the extensive conversation about what your personal predilections are and blah, 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 blah. Uh, Yeah, you know, I don't think anybody should force this. I don't think anybody should be forced to conform to somebody else's idea of good sex. But, like, realistically... Especially if you're having a casual sex, you don't necessarily want to have a lengthy discussion about like, <laughs> right your yes. philosophy exactly. about all of this stuff. So, or
2: even barring that conversation, be subjected to this this sort of excruciating marathon with this stranger who's who needs this trophy of your orgasm at the right. end and be like, it's just I got things to do tomorrow,
3: right? <laughs> like it's just complicated, and I I really just wanted to explore the. The rationale behind lying, sure, like more than to i mean you know it's not i mean it is a defensive of lying, but it's a defensive of lying in so much as it's intended to humanize and complicate the rationale behind lying
2: sure it's it's interesting because there are so many of these there's so many of these areas where where um like the ones you mentioned these these paternity tests or or even Hillary Clinton, where it's so widely accepted that like well, these women are lying, these women are liars, and this is a this is a thing that is accepted and repeated and echoed as fact by adult men who still in some cases doctors and scientists who are still subscribing unconditionally to information that has been scientifically debunked yeah and and it's it's just interesting to think about these that that these these same people who will constantly question the honesty of women without taking a look at the the long since debunked misinformation that they still subscribe to as fact. Yeah. Um. God, what a terrible world.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know that um, was my original <laughs> subtitle. <laughs> um. What
4: are some of the? Hmm. I guess. More sort of prevalent um, More dangerous lies That people still kind of Cling on to um, I mean in, in, the, in the sense that If like faking orgasm Could mm-hmm. be sort of argued That's It's pretty benign It's, it's a mundane sort of lie um, Would like Lying that Someone enjoys A particular sex act When they don't Is that Maybe more pedestrian Or is that Can that be dangerous Or I
3: mean I think You know All lies can be dangerous Depending, sure. depending on the situation Yeah um and like you know it's one of these things where let's say here's a really good example like I'm out at a bar and I am getting hit on by someone that I'm not interested in but I just want to lie to spare their feelings sure uh and I lie to spare their feelings I say whatever I say like I have a boyfriend I have this uh, whatever just to get them to go away uh, and then they find out that I'm lying and they take their anger out on me. Right. And, you know, that becomes a very dig- dangerous situation for me. And that should be a benign lie that's just about protecting someone's ego or if not protecting their ego, just giving them a socially acceptable reason to leave me alone. Right. Um, but I think it can be escalated in a way that's dangerous. Um, I mean, it's hard for me to, like, say a specific lie sure. is bad. I think it just really depends on like the context and the the broader spectrum of like well what is the situation under which you because I mean you know okay there are people who will go and say like there are actually articles you'll find in like Lady Mags where women will be like the I have a boyfriend lie is terrible because it sets it reinforces this idea that uh, women should only be left alone if we have boyfriends and it mm-hmm. reinforces the idea that we are property of men and yeah I, I agree that it is playing to that expectation but there comes a point when it's like yeah but if we're not being le- if it's the only way to get left alone sure I,
2: I, you know. I see some value in that argument but it doesn't yeah. take into account maybe the urgency of the individual case by case scenario right
3: and it's like cool if you like stand by your principles and are like I just don't want to talk to you and then that escalates into violence, or that like you're being honest, you're yeah. like taking a moral stand, but at what cost to yourself? Right. So yeah, I mean, I think it's it's very complicated. <laughs>
4: no, obviously, obviously. Uh, so the so the book is is a, a collection of conversations you've had with other people, or
3: uh, well, so the book it's not the book is just uh, it's not an essay collection, but the book is just my exploration of these topics. Okay. And So there are I did a lot of interviews that are. Woven in, but it's mm-hmm. not like interview format. Oh, I see. It's just okay. like citing just different conversations. I researched. It. I talked to like at least forty, fifty people. I forget a lot wow. of people. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people. Some big name people. Very exciting. <laughs> uh, like Dan Savage. Dan Savage and Neil Strauss are probably the biggest names. Oh wow. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. No. Good yeah. So so, the story of how I got Neil Strauss is actually fun. Okay. Um, I grew up thinking you know i remember when neil strauss came to prominence in 2005 or whenever it was with the game and i was like oh this guy sucks (laughs) sucks." (laughs) um but then uh like three years ago i yeah i think it would have been like fall late summer 2015 something like that i get contacted by a press person and they're like hey Neil Strauss has this new book coming out. It's called The Truth. And I forget the exact description, but it's like an uncomfortable book about relationships. And I like scan it and it's like, and he goes to swing clubs and blah, blah, blah. And it's monogamy natural. And I'm like, this sounds like garbage. (laughs) But I was like, send it to me because in my mind, I'm like, I'm totally going to dunk on this book. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I read it and was just blown away by how much I loved it. Oh. And it's actually a book that I recommend to a lot of people like what I found when I read it is it's a book where it basically starts with him like being in a monogamous relationship and cheating on his partner and then going to like sex addiction rehab and being like, oh, I guess I got to do this. But then like hating sex addiction rehab and being like, the problem's not me. The problem is monogamy. <laughs> and then going on this odyssey of exploring all of these different non monogamous, um, formats and this is like i'm gonna kind of spoil the book but it's not really a spoiler because if you i mean or it's a spoiler that doesn't matter vis-a-vis the book because you can find this out by looking him up on wikipedia um eventually he like goes through all of these different uh relationship types and fucks up all of them and you know finally realizes that it's not monogamy it's him and that it's not the relationship format it's him right and so he goes through some like really really intense therapy and then like ends up getting back with his partner and now they're like married and he has a kid which is the part where it's like it's not a spoiler that's just (laughs) his life um but so i read this and i was just blown away because it's very brutal like there's just like a lot of parts where he just talks about like his family like trauma with his parents and Mm -hmm. like a lot of trauma around relationships and a lot of this stuff and i just thought it was like so good and I read it and I was like it's so good and it's gonna be so misunderstood in the press Yeah, and so I interviewed him for Grantland and we talked and as as we were talking I was just like you know I'm telling you this is what's gonna happen is like your book is about the fact that one a person has to fix themselves before they can be in a healthy relationship and what people are going to interpret it as is player realizes monogamy is the right way um and that that is what happened. Yeah, uh, but we had a really good conversation. That's, that's how
2: the book was was like basically yeah. marketed yeah. and received.
3: Yeah, yeah that's how oh. a lot of the press pieces were received. My my essay on Grantland was not like that. Mine it was it alternated between my conversation with Neil and then just shit I was going through in my own relationship because I, I was actually going through some shit while I was reading that book. And so just how you know it was personally very moving to me to like read through somebody else's struggles and like realizing like I had issues that I had to work out and all of this stuff. Um, And so he really liked my piece and it was very like a moment of like, I think he said to me when we, when they interviewed him, he was just like, you know, he's like, I started writing because I wanted to be better understood and the, bigger a platform i got the less understood i felt but like (laughs) you know you got my book and that matters um and he liked my piece when it came out and then he was in town and he's one of these people who likes to collect a lot of people to have like interesting like dinner party type things so he had a book event at the strand and he was like yeah you should come come to my event and then we'll go for drinks after and so it was a bunch of people and we like there was, like, a dude who was, like, a memory champion, and Chris Ryan was there, and a dominatrix was there, and some dude who was just, like, an EMT. Like, it was, like, a, a really wild collection of people. Sure. And so I got to hang out with him one-on-one then, and it was just, it was cool. It was, like, he, is, he had he was not what I expected. And, like, I definitely got that from reading the book, and then also just talking about the game when he was, like, you know... The beginning and end of the game are critical of pickup culture, but Mm -hmm. all anybody picked up on was the stuff in the middle. Mm
4: -hmm. Right? Yeah, I I remember. I remember people because I read it, and I remember a lot of people just misunderstanding it. And like to me, it's like, oh no, this is not a glorification of that culture. Yeah, at all. But people seem to. Carry that around as a Bible for how they should be around women, and
3: yeah, you know. And and so yeah, so because I had that relationship with him, I was like, "Hey, I'm writing my book. Can I interview you for my book?" <laughs> uh, and he said yes, which was nice. Um, and so now I can say that Neil Strauss is in my book. Hey, all right, hmm. rock and roll. Yeah, <coughs> uh,
2: you made note of this briefly, and and I feel it's it's definitely w- worth expanding upon. Mm-hmm. Um, since this book is, is it's your book mm-hmm. we're not talking about Neil Strauss's book anymore yeah. so your, since your book is focusing on the, the variety of ways in which women either do lie or are accused of lying all yeah. the time um, does does the book address the, the sort of cultural phenomenon of people distrusting women when they make allegations of sexual assault
3: yeah that's that's the con- that's the conclusion the last chapter is about consent and how difficult consent is in this society where women are lying a lot for strategic reasons. Like how do you build trust when like, you feel like you have to lie for a variety of reasons, even within the context of a relationship. Um, so the conclusion does touch on, um, does touch on this idea that women are lying about rape. Um, Oh, actually the, the last chapter also does go into like false rape accusations and looks at some of the data around that. Um, but, yeah, I mean...
2: Because, yeah, the the data around it doesn't really support it as being that, no, and being the, that prevalent. The
3: data... And, you know, you could say, okay, the data is skewed because the data is specifically about who reports to the police. But it's, you know, it's often about, like, eschewing attention rather than attracting attention. So it's like people lie because they're trying to get out of trouble for something else. Or they lie because they're teenagers and, like, they don't want their parents to know. Like, all of these different things. Um... And so, yeah, so it just kind of feeds into my theory that it's like, well, this is why women are not lying about this, because lies are about getting, uh, deflecting, not attracting attention. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think just the fact that women are lying, the fact that we are about other things, and the fact that we are motivated to protect men is kind of why we don't believe sexual assault victims. It doesn't go into that as in depth. Um, it's more going into that to make a case for why it's important to believe women. Um, but yeah, it the patriarchy. That's, that's yeah. why. <laughs>
2: uh, patriarchy I, th- ruins
4: everything. Yeah,
2: it really does. Um, this is, this is a, a probably a, a much too big of a question and, or it's, or it's a simple question that could just be answered with the patriarchy. Yeah. Which, <laughs> where does this come from? Why is it that? And this it transcends culture and it it transcends generations and time. Why it is that men, uh, by and large, just inherently distrust women. Where where does where did this come from? And why why is it? Well, you see,
4: back in Bible
2: times. Is it real? But that's—I uh, mean—that's kind of the subtext of my question. Is this—look through to knowledge? No, I, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Does this really? Does it go back to like? It seems like it precedes that because it was written into that book.
3: Yeah. Um. Well, humanity has existed for longer than the Bible. I—I I, uh, don't know how to break it to you, but uh, <laughs> spoilers. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's—it's it's a complicated question. I yeah, mean, definitely, if you look at just like. A lot of like how men have written about women historically this this is the thing that i just find very fascinating and this is not and i guess i touch on this in my book but it's not necessarily what my book is about but if you look at like the way that men talk about women it's always is like very mysterious oh sure and like (laughs) women don't really talk about men that way like it's it's fascinating like i think about men who have real trouble like writing about women or writing female characters in a way that women don't necessarily with men, it's it's. I it feels like it's a much easier ask um, for women to write male characters than the reverse. And I, you know, I thought about it for a while. I was like, why is that? Why is that? And I was like, oh right, because men just don't listen to women or pay attention <laughs> to women's lives. Whereas, like, if you are a woman um, who wants to consume media, you have no choice but to hear men's deep inner thoughts. And, like, you know, it's funny uh, as an adult. This is probably an embarrassing uh, re- embarrassing thing to admit, but I think we were all under the same cultural delusion at the time. Okay. I liked American Beauty. Okay. okay. When <laughs> it came out, when I was, like, 17 or 18 or whatever. Sure. I think I saw it twice. Um, and as a woman in my 30s now, it's fascinating because I was like, I got conned into, like, I got conned into identifying with a middle-aged, like rapey white dude oh, yeah. over a teenage girl, like the, over the. I mean, I did like Thor Birch's character, but like you know, Mina Suvari is was way closer to me and what I might have been going through than Kevin Spacey. But because I was so used to seeing like the male perspective and the tortured male perspective, I was like, ah, oh, yes. This is the loner outsider that who's saying fuck the system, who I can really identify with, <laughs> and that's like such a weird thing to think about. About like wow, like even because I think about you know what what are the edgy movies that I grew up with, and it's like. By and large, most of them are about men. Mm -hmm. And, like, you want to go see art house movies? They're about men. I mean, Welcome to the Dollhouse, which was by a man, so there is that. But, like, Welcome to the Dollhouse, when I was 13, I felt such a kinship with it. And, like, I, in retrospect, I was not that much like Don Wiener, because I had friends. I mean, we were, like, nerds, but I had friends, and I was smart and doing well in school, and, like, I had a caring family, but I think just the, an authentic experience of female loneliness and like female disaffection and young female loneliness and disaffection was so rare that I just like glommed onto that. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, all this is to say, I, I don't know why men can get away with not listening to women aside from like established power structures, but the power structures that we have have created this long history of men seeing women as, like, mysterious and mystical and other. And it's also, it's not even just in art. I mean, you look at, like, uh, medical studies and, like, pharmaceutical studies where it's like, "Mm, women have periods and that's too complicated. And, like, even just with, like, (laughs) rats. They're just like, (laughs) female rats. They got these hormones. Too complicated. Let's just study male rats. And then that means that any person who has... Uh, a uterus and has these hormones like we don't know how the medication is going to work on them and like we don't factor these experiences because it's just been deemed to be too complicated and like men get treated like physically emotionally experientially and white men especially get treated as the baseline Mm mm-hmm Um, and if you're treated as the baseline, you don't necessarily have an incentive to understand other people's experiences because you just assume that yours is the universal one.
2: Everything has already been catered to that. Why, why wouldn't
3: I have like, just in entertainment. Also, I just have this, like, uh, the one weird thing rule. It also goes for politics too, (laughs) where it's like you watch a sitcom and it's like, okay, we can have a white woman, like being a woman. That's weird uh we can have a gay white man Mm -hmm. we can have a straight black man like that's fine but like a gay black man that's two weird things (laughs) like a black woman a black lesbian is three weird things and so that's just like out the window and like you just see these things where like people get get treated as aberrations just for not being white men (laughs)
2: Yeah, and and it seems like especially in in terms of of um, in pop culture and entertainment, yeah. these these tropes exist just because the people in power just don't ever challenge them. Like yeah. they, they keep doing. I keep if I see another trailer for a movie. It's twenty eighteen. If I see another trailer for a movie where there's a man who like a straight man who sees a beautiful straight woman, and he responds by just being, like, tongue-tied, uh, uh, and he does something foolish and falls over. It, yeah. That feels like that should have been in some, you know, movie I watched in my childhood in the 80s. Yeah. And these things are still showing up, and they're putting them in the ads to sell the picture. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's still, that's I yeah. think that that's just another example of the, mis- like, mystique of the woman that is yeah. the way that, that women are presented in, well, in this.
3: And it's also just one of the frustrating things about... And we're getting a little bit better about it. But a lot of these, like, nostalgia things where... I liked Stranger Things. I think I have a few problems with it. But, like, it's frustrating to me... That Stranger Things is like, well, see, because all the movies in the 80s were all about like a gang of boy nerds. Mm-hmm. We just have to do that because we're referencing. Don't you get it? If we put like a girl nerd <laughs> in there, like obviously they didn't exist because this is the 80s. But if we change the tropes at all, we wouldn't be being faithful to the source material, and then it wouldn't be referent. And, and then so, they do
2: it, put a girl in, yeah. and sure enough. Oh, God. <laughs> Literally mystical,
3: right? Exactly, and then like, (laughs) oh my god! Wow. Okay. Yeah, literally. Like I was like, like uh, you know, Eleven is a cool character, but Eleven is also like the Duffer Brothers like compare her to ET like explicitly. Like they're like, yeah, yeah. And then even in the second season when we get another girl, she's she's the tomboy. Yeah, yeah. She's she's like another, and you know, I mean, granted, I was a baby in the '80s, so like '83, I was one. But early 90s, you know, I was playing Dungeons & Dragons with my friends. I was, like, a a member of a weird, nerdy group of girls who were obsessed with Star Trek. And that's an experience that I never see presented. And it's really, like, even, you know, Freaks and Geeks, same thing, where it's the geeks are all boys. And you just get this, and it's like, it's not because these women don't exist. Like, there were lots of girl nerds in the 90s. I know many of them as adults now. But our stories don't get told, and and then we have to prove that we're actually nerdy, and we have to prove that we like actually love these things. And if
2: the story ever veers from that that uh, that blueprint, yeah. it's just. All of the press rounds just herald as being like so innovative and yeah. groundbreaking, and like, <laughs> but it's really not. It's just it just challenges the yeah. It, just, it doesn't squirrel. even challenge it so much; just stands in opposition to the same thing that we keep getting shown yeah. over and over and over and but over.
3: I will say we have gotten better since the '80s about not presenting rape as romance.
0: Like, yeah. Yeah. like there have been a yeah. lot of
3: like revisiting like '80s rom coms and being like, what the fuck. Like that actually, like all of John (laughs) Hughes. Sixteen Candles is a
4: rape commercial. Yeah, ultimately.
0: Yeah, Uh, Revenge of the Nerds.
4: Yeah, it's a it's a a how to film on how to how to how to do the raping. Yeah, yeah.
3: I once it's horrible. I once had this joke that I wanted to write a piece like that was like eighties movies that are secretly about rape. Revenge of the Nerds was definitely one. Overboard was another one. Like
4: Porkies, all the Porkies.
3: Everything in like John Hughes, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was God. just like a lot. I
2: read this great essay recently where Molly Ringwald went back and yeah. re- rewatched the John Hughes movies. Yes, because she has a teenage daughter now, and
0: yeah.
2: uh, I thought it was I thought it was interesting. She still like kind of stops just short of like utterly condemning all the work, and still like frames it in like it was a different time and blah blah blah. And I was grateful I got to work on these movies, but she still. Really does acknowledge, at times, and scathingly so, how yeah. how problematic this beloved, celebrated oh, director's yeah. body of work really is. Yeah. And, sure, and <laughs> the effect that it has had for further generations of other filmmakers who grew up thinking, like, these are the stories I want to tell.
3: Yeah. Mm. Uh, my friend used to do this uh, storytelling show called 46 Candles, where <laughs> people would... Uh, write fan fiction. Basically, it was a fan fiction show, not a storytelling <laughs> show. But people would write fan fiction, imagining John Hughes characters like thirty years later. Oh, nice. So I, because it, like it started like on the thirtieth anniversary of Pretty in Pink or something like that, or sixteen candles, something. like Yeah, it was sixteen candles. So that's why it was forty-six candles. Yeah. Um. So I actually I wrote one. I did Pretty in Pink, and I just envisioned it where Annie, Andy, I'm just fucking up, or Andy had a. Uh, Things had fizzled with Blaine because, of course, they were going to. That, that wasn't and then <laughs> last after high school, right? And that then she, you know, doesn't know she like had all these dreams, but she just gets stuck in this town because she's like a poor girl. Like she had to, like, oh, I'm gonna move to New York, and blah blah blah. And it's like things fizzled out with Blaine. She doesn't move to New York, and she just like by attrition ends up getting won over by Ducky. And <laughs> and like marries him and is just kind of miserable. And then like I have her like going to like the thirtieth anniversary and just realizing like oh like I, I I was something like I could have been more than this, which I feel like is how she was gonna end up. Yeah, because it's just like your girl from the wrong side of the tracks, and and it's funny too because I got into a discussion with someone uh, else after that because. I, as you may know, the original ending was that she ended up with Ducky mm-hmm. and test audiences hated it. So they, Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, mm-hmm. they reshot the ending to make her end up with Blaine because people did not like that ending. Huh. Um, but I talked to a dude who is totally like a, a nerdy, angsty dude. And he was just like, "That's that's how it should have ended. That's like who she should have ended up with. And I was just like... No, that was also a depressing ending. Like, yeah. They're, they're yeah. like, uh, depressing endings for different reasons. Like, the Blaine thing is, like, magical thinking, but also they don't have anything in common. And it's just this, like, wish fulfillment about how dating a rich guy is going to solve your problems. But, like, Ducky is also, like, a creepy dude who she's not attracted to and not interested in as anything more than a friend.
2: Yeah, and he just... There's just... You can always feel there's just this like spite seething just below the surface that yeah. he's about to do some friend zone <laughs> nice like, guy bullshit, yeah, which he does
0: I uh, mean, to, a degree, to a degree, but yeah. you yeah. just
2: feel like that was that was really gonna blow up, and, yeah. and that he was became like this kind of hero archetype for the future friend zoners of like the two thousands. <laughs>
3: Oh, yeah, what? it's just yeah.
2: Uh, oh yeah, they were all terrible. All of right. the options for the all of, all of the romantic options for the female characters of the John Hughes yeah. films, John Hill, Hughes, of the John Hughes films and other movies of like genre movies. Of
3: also, like the biggest crime of that movie is how she takes two perfectly good dresses and turns them into a hideous. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Amen.
3: I was, just like, oh, this kid? I was like, what did she do? <laughs> Like she had a really nice dress, and then another really nice dress.
2: Yeah. Oh,
4: John Hughes. <laughs> oh, John Hughes. Um, thank you, Locks. Thank you so much for for coming by and, yeah. and chatting with us today. And uh, I'm really excited to get uh, my hands on your book.
3: Yeah.
4: Um. And uh, so I guess uh, any any sort of final thoughts you want to sort of share with us? What do you want to?
3: I mean, it's from like buy my book. Uh, <laughs> you can pre-order it on Amazon. Uh, no, I mean it's just been really fun. We
2: will definitely include uh, the the pre-order Amazon. Thank link you in the show notes.
4: Uh, where where can people find uh, more of you?
3: Ah, excellent question. So best way to find me is my Twitter, uh, which is my name. So it's at I don't know if we have to say that anymore, but just in case, <laughs> uh, Lux Alptrom. L U X A L P T R A U M. Um, I am also on Instagram as Lux Nightmare but that's mostly just like things that I find funny and selfies and uh... I thoroughly
4: enjoy your Instagram thank
3: you thank you my Twitter is definitely where like my deep thoughts and my important self promo are awesome Excellent. Thanks for having me. It was Not at all. so excellent. Not uh, no,
4: no, um, we'd love to have you back when, when the book drops. Yeah. We'd love to have you back because um, uh, at that point I would have read it and I, and I will have so many questions.
3: We can have an informed discussion. So many
2: questions. The book is called Faking It, The Lies Women Tell About Sex and the Truths They Reveal, and it will be available in November. Lux Alptrom, thank you so much for being with us on the program. Absolutely. Once again, we would like to thank Lux Alptrom for being our guest on the program this month. Fuck the patriarchy. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> there will be, as we mentioned, there will be a link to pre-order the book in the show notes. Yeah. Please do it. Uh, I'm, I'm really, really excited to read it. I uh, cannot wait. I'm getting it for myself for my birthday because it's in November. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to buy it for all kinds of people. That's a great idea. Yeah. Sounds like it would be a good gift. It would. Uh, anyway, and also uh, check out all of her social media links.
4: Yeah, she's great. She's absolutely great.
2: Um I uh, uh I want to do something different oh. here at the end. We don't do things that are different. I know. I want to do a, I want to do a different thing. I want to read a listener mail. Wow, without a dedicated listener mail episode? That's absolutely correct. <laughs> what sort of nonsense are you talking about?
4: All right. So, uh this is the subject of this email is Hawkeye. And it starts uh, yes, I like listening to you talk about movies. Oh, I guess she's responding to us saying if, you know, if they still if people still care about whether or not we like movies we watch or something. Oh, um, on a vaguely related note, maybe one of you fellas can help me out. I've finished my current reading list, and I think I'm on the cusp of reading some Hawkeye. There's a dizzying amount of back catalog available on Comixology, and I wondered if you had some advice as a good story arc or series to start with. It would have to stand up reasonably well as a standalone, as my background knowledge with Marvel is limited to the cinematic universe only. Bye for now. Lee.
2: Oh well, Lee. Lee, I've got, buckle the fuck up, Lee. Yeah, I've got I got your answer for you right here. <laughs> yeah, there. it's a unanimous answer. Absolutely, it's you just read Matt Fraction's Hawkeye. Yeah, Matt Fraction's Hawkeye. Matt Fraction. It's it's I, I believe it's collected in four trade paperbacks. That's I think that's right. Um, the first one is My Life Is a Weapon. Yep. Let's just go over here to the shelf. Yeah, let's go to the shelf. <laughs> let's pull out the books. All
4: right. So, My Life Is a Weapon. My Life Is a Weapon. Little Hits. Little Hits. L A Woman. L A Woman.
2: And
4: Rio Bravo. Ria, Rio Bravo? Yeah. Rio, as in the, like... Rio the, Bravo. As in the Spanish word for river? Yes. Rio Bravo. Yes. Matt Fraction, uh, I believe, also writes uh, Sex Criminals? Yes. And what else does he write?
2: Casanova. Casanova. Wrote uh, Iron Fist for a while. That's right. Um,
4: uh, Basically... Odyssey. I'm a big, big, huge, huge fan of Matt Fraction. Yeah. Uh, I... I I tend to read anything he writes, yeah. and you will not go wrong with uh, with his take on Hawkeye. It's funny. No, those. It's it's poignant. It's tear jerky. Uh, it's got life or death stakes, and it's it's a good ride. It's I...
2: look, yeah. Those four trades, those four Hawkeye trades. Uh, they're all Matt Fraction and uh, Aja Asia, the the, the artist. artist David Aja. Yeah, uh, those four. Read them. They are absolutely wonderful they're they're just wonderful yeah as in i personally connect to them because the story follows uh clint barton um who's kind of a fuck up in this in this particular story (laughs) arc yes but he's like he's a man he's a blonde man whose life who lives in new york whose life is a mess who's from iowa and wears a lot of purple (laughs)
4: <laughs> it didn't even occur to me yeah
2: oh my fucking god yeah
4: <laughs> i really
2: relate to these books and and matt fractions writing is among some of his best which is ridiculous to say because he's always so good yeah but the that that run is so good and his his relationship with the other hawkeye yeah. is excellent and the bad guys bro, the bad guys bro 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 bro, bro. bro so yo good, lee bro Bree, Bree. Lee, 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 bro, Lee, bro, Lee, bro, Lee. Bro, this is going to make so much sense to you after you read it, bro. <laughs> right now, it just sounds like we're being assholes, bro, but it'll make sense later.
4: Bro, pick bro. it up, bro. bro. Also, not for nothing, I think I think comic books, as, as I'm sure you're aware, Lee, comic books are kind of structured in a way, if you pick up in a middle of story, it's not going to take long for you to sort of learn everything you need to know for that story arc. So if you really want to get into Hawkeye, then just, you know, uh, outside of the Matt Fraction run, just pick up a Hawkeye comic book. And, yeah.
2: I mean, actually, you know. just read the Matt Fraction stuff. If you still feel compelled to read the character, yeah. then keep going afterward. You yeah. know, um, Another, I don't remember the the art, the, the, the author of um, Sweet Tooth took over. Oh, yeah. Um, after Matt Fraction. I didn't like that one so much. Oh, well, then don't read that. Read the Matt Fraction stuff. And if you like it, you, there's, <laughs> there's going to be a hundred other Marvel series you can jump into.
4: That's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. So,
2: uh, I, I want to read him again now that we talked about him so much, bro. <laughs> so good, bro. So, uh, yeah, okay.
4: Um, I also want to point out that um, uh, outside of this podcast, I get invited to be on other podcasts. And I was on uh, Matt Stormageddon's uh, podcast, Crash Cords, One time guest of the show. One time guest of the show. And uh, I believe the it's a series called Autographs, where he does one on one interviews with you know uh, musicians, artists. Um, sort of New York celebrity kind of people. And um, I am featured on episode 96, where I talk about um, both my life as a magician and burgeoning DJ. And I actually even talk about a little bit of the sort of upcoming uh, court case against me. So if you want to learn my sort of point of view on the whole thing, go there.
2: What the shit? Stormageddon has uh, like three podcasts. Yeah. And you're on this one in episode 96? We run one podcast and this is 62, and it's been seven years. Yeah. Six years. Six years.
4: Well, I mean, because he puts one out every week. We
2: put one out every month almost ish. But still, 96, if it, if 96 episodes of one podcast, I would still be exclaiming, What the shit? <laughs> and
4: he's got three of them.
2: <laughs> Fucking relax, well, Stormy K. Think-
4: <laughs>
2: Take a knee.
4: <laughs> Take a knee. Uh, but yeah, that's it. Um, you know, I've got, I've got upcoming gigs. If you're in New York and you want to know about them, then find me on Facebook or the Instagram. I'm not really on Twitter anymore, but Facebook, Instagram is probably a good way to go. Or shoot us an email here at epicpiecast at gmail.com. That's epicpodcast
2: at gmail.com. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll let you know what we're up to that month. Uh, I'm going to plug three things. I have three things coming up in July that are worth noting. Go for it. On Saturday, July 7th, I will be the official ring announcer of Rabbit Hole Productions Tasselmania 2 at DROM <laughs> in New York City. Uh, this is a like wrestling-themed burlesque show. Wrestlers or burlesque performers going at it head-to-head in a ring uh, for the, for a belt, for the Intercontinental Championship belt. An there will actual be belt. An actual belt. An actual belt. That I designed There will be feuds <laughs> Rivalries Promos It's It's a really sensational show It's I, it's, I, a, it's really a love letter To both wrestling and burlesque and I, I
4: hate I really hate to admit this But I actually do enjoy The video promos You've, you've been posting
2: I will post a link To them collected <laughs> In one place In the show notes So that you can see All of my hard work uh, Okay That's Saturday July 7th Sure On Thursday, July 12th, you can catch me, for the Dark Lord, with my DJ Lugotron5000 as we perform on a motherfucking boat.
4: On a motherfucking boat, yo! Yeah, that's
2: right. Rocks Off Concert Cruise. Rocks Off Concert Cruise presents the first annual Chris Cruise. It'll be a show on a boat with MC Chris and MC Frontalot and us. Well, you. You're going to be there? I'll be there. On the ones and the twos. I'm going to push play on that button so hard. We're going to sail around Manhattan. We're going to hang out in the rivers. I'm going to get so drunk in a nautical themed Pajmina Afghan. We're all going to make we're all going to sing bars from that Lonely Island song until Ugh, we hate it more the, than we already do. Yeah. But it's going to be a lot of fun. There'll be a uh, link to the tickets yeah. and the dock information since you Come on, do. come on the water with us. Yeah. Come on get wet. And then on Saturday, July 14th, I will be with the Pink Room Burlesque back at Joe's Pub at the Public Theater in New York City for the second annual Mr. Twin Peaks pageant. Now, the Pink Room does a, a, an annual Miss Twin Peaks pageant, which is a fake beauty pageant based on characters from Twin Peaks. And that happens every year. That's been going on for seven years now. But starting last year at Coney a Island, Francine the Lucid Dream started the first ever Mr. Twin Peaks pageant, which is just a fake pageant based on the male characters of the world of twin peaks and okay this is the second one awesome i will be there i will be hosting half of the show and i will also be performing <laughs> okay that's all i'm gonna say
4: oh god no you do what you want i don't care you're okay. an adult you're an adult
2: i will i will give you i will give you a hint i am not your foot all right. I, I have no idea what that... I know! You're not supposed to! I have no idea what that means. And that's it. Uh, then I will spend the remainder of um, July putting my bedroom back together because I will no longer be shooting promo videos.
4: <laughs> good. I, I need your lights. Oh, good. Give me your lights. We'll, we'll talk off mic. All right. Is that it? That is it. We are done. This one's in the can. Thank you so much, loyal listener, for tuning in to this 62nd episode of the Epic Piecast. I have been your host, Nelson Lugo.
2: I have been your other host, Shape of the Dark Lord.
4: Be safe, Internets. Bye.
2: Thank you for listening to the Epic Piecast. We'd love to listen to you, too. So send us your feedback, questions, love mail, hate mail, recipes, and fan fiction to epicpiecast at gmail.com. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the Nerdy Show Network alive by telling a friend or funding the network via Patreon. Any size contribution gets you exclusive outtakes, episodes and images from across the network. And there's even more perks available. Just head to patreon.com/nerdyshow. To find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other nerdy show programming, visit nerdyshow.com/sponsorships. If you like what you've heard, please rate and review us on iTunes. Like and follow us on SoundCloud and Audio Boom, or subscribe and stream on Google Play. For more podcasts, articles, community forums, and more, visit nerdyshow.com. And be sure to follow Nerdy Show and the Epic Podcast on all of your favorite social networks. If it's geeky, we've got it covered. Now tell me the trick you cut and the trick you put in.
4: All right. Do you know the trick where I take the card and I rip it up and then I burn it and then it comes back together?
2: You do it with an orange Zippo. Yes, I do it with an orange. I remember the prop because it's so striking. I know.
4: I do that. And I'm kind of sad I'm cutting it because there's a joke that I wrote that I really love that I can't do it anymore.
2: So you're cutting that one.
4: Yeah, I'm cutting that one. Okay, and I'm replacing it with a, a trick. So I'm gonna let me talk you through this. Okay. So there's a cardboard tube on a table. Okay. Right, and in my hand is a stack of uh, white drink coasters. Okay. And on each of the drink coasters is written a different drink, like like a gin and tonic or a, a sea breeze, a French seventy five, a whiskey soda, an American uh, skull crusher. Yes, whatever the whatever the fuck that is. Yes, no. Moscow Mule. And so there's 52 of them. And so then you select a card and let's say it's uh, Jack and Coke. What do you mean me? Yeah, I'm, I'm saying you as in like the universal you. Like an audience an member? An audience
2: member. Oh, okay.
4: Yeah. So an, uh, so a random audience member uh, selects a, a drink coaster and let's say, just for the sake of arguments, is a Jack and Coke. Okay. And then I say, what if I told you that underneath that cardboard tube is the very first thing that I need to make you a Jack and Coke? and Whatever they say, it doesn't matter. I lift it up and it's a drinking glass. Ha, 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 ha. Because technically that is the first <coughs> thing I'm going to need in order to make you a drink. Okay. Um, but then I say, "What what is actually the first ingredient? And then they say, Jack. And so I lift up the cardboard tube again and there's a tiny little airplane bottle of Jack Daniels. I open it up, I pour it into the glass. And then um, I add ice and I add a lime and I add a little swizzle stick. You know, do a whole prep. is nice. And then I say, okay, what's the final ingredient to a Jack and Coke? And then they say, obviously a Coca-Cola. I lift up the cardboard tube again and there's a can of Coke underneath it. I pop it, I pour it, and then I hand it to the audience
2: member to drink. What does it have to do with death? Is it poisoned? (laughs) (laughs) Yes.
3: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.